You're listening to Industrious Radio, a show designed to help you work hard, live fit, and lead an exceptional life. Now, let's get into the show. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the show. And today on Industrious Radio, we are continuing on our franchise conversation. We're going to get into the financials today. Yeah, yeah. We're super excited to go into this. Um, You know, I think that uh, for a lot of people that are interested in this, you know, really exciting opportunity, um, you know, the first barrier is, you know, are you going to be a good values fit? And if you're a great values fit, then the next thing is, how do I pay for it? And that's what we're here to talk about today. Yeah, exactly. So if you haven't, go back, check out the earlier series. We go into values. We go into what this opportunity really looks like, uh, why you should consider it. And then today it's really about like, well, what's it going to cost and how can I pay for it? Yep. Yep. That's what we're diving into. So let's maybe start with just uh, the cost of opening industrial. So we've, we've briefly kind of gone into this in some of the past episodes in the franchisee series, but let's talk a little bit about it uh, more than it degrees, what some of the costs are, and then maybe how it compares to some other opportunities out there. Yeah. So, um, so basically at a, at a high level, um, the, the, the costs for opening up, uh, a, a unit sort of vary depending on, you know, how big and scale you want to go. Um, you know, are the stores that or the gyms that we currently operate that are company owned stores? Um, one of them is probably the smallest option that you could go with, um, at 4,200 square feet with 14 halos. Um, and the unit economics for that gym are actually very, very good. Um, but it's a smaller operation. Your revenues are not going to be as high. Your your profitability is going to be solid, generally speaking, um, or should be, I should say. Um, and uh, it, but the capital investment is is not quite as robust. Now, our other gym that we operate is six thousand square feet. It's got higher rent, um, and it has uh, it has you know nineteen halos in it. So you so we're you know, those are sort of the, the two ends of the spectrum, if you will. Um, so on the low side, um, of the investment spectrum, um, uh, somebody can expect to spend about, uh, $340,000 or so. Um, and that's sort of like the, the base, like entry level, you know, smaller industrious gym, 14 halos, probably 5,000 square foot space. Um, you know, th- that's what they're looking at. And, uh, in, on the higher side, it can go all the way up to, you know, $900,000. If you, if you were running a, if you built one that had like 30 halos as an example, maxed out. Yeah. 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 And so pro version. Yeah. So on average, $664,000 is what one could expect, um, would be the, uh, the, the total sort of, um, initial costs of, uh, of getting one open and getting one operated. Does that include when a person is looking at that is basically that you're kind of kind of your all in total that you'd be looking at at that point or are there, are there, you know, some other miscellaneous stuff that could add up significantly or is that a good general ballpark that you'd be looking at? It's a good general bar, ballpark. Um, you know, uh, the, the nice thing about having this range is it sort of, sh- you know, shows you the cheapest way you could do it. And then it shows you like the, the biggest way with a big expensive tenant improvement, um, you know, a monster facility that's probably a little bit higher rent. Um, but th- those are just the initial fees. You know, you obviously in any business, you have your ongoing fees, which are like your rent, your operating expenses, you know, sort of all of that stuff. Um, and uh, so, you know, so so those are the the considerations there. 
Yeah. And this would be partly then, you know, where you're looking at in terms of your geographic space, the size of kind of the market that you're serving, kind of the area that you're in, what's available in terms of space, all of that can kind of really factor in. So if there were a, there's a smaller space that you were in love with, there's a kind of that smaller entry level option. And then if there's maybe something that's much, much larger, you could really grow into that and go big. Totally. Yeah. And, and on those initial costs, you know, so there's basically like 15 line items that would sort of make up all of that cost. And the first one is your real estate or your rent. You know, if a cheap lease, you're probably going to have a deposit of about 6,000 bucks, a more expensive lease, you're going to have a deposit of like 40, up, up to like 42 grand. Um, and, uh, so, and then you've got, you know, your utility setup, you know, there's a thousand bucks there, uh, leasehold improvements. You go, you, you find a great spot that all you got to do is just kind of install some bathrooms and no subalts or no big stuff like HVAC units and energy code and blah, 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 probably about 50 grand. And if you got to do major subalts to a building or substantial alterations to a building, you know, then that, that could be as high as $400,000. That could flex quite a bit yeah, depending on the building. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, the real estate that, that one would pick is they, they need to be smart. They will help them. But, uh, and, and ultimately we have to approve their real estate as well. Um, but you know, th- that's just sort of what they're looking at. You want to develop a hundred year old building. It's not, it's not going to be like just swinging a few hammers and bringing in your brother-in-law you know? <laughs> like, uh, as much as you would think maybe it'd be that way. That's not how it goes down anymore. No, 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 yeah. no, no. Yeah. 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 So, um, and then, you know, your market introduction program, you know, you, you'll need to spend 20 to 25,000 bucks just on, you know, splashing the market with we're here and here's what we're all about. And here's why we're unique in your pre-sales efforts. And, um, and then, you know, your furniture, fixtures, and equipment, uh, 200 to 250,000 bucks. And that includes like, you know, all your gear and your, you know, your front desk and, you know, all the stuff, your in-body machine and, um, you know, computer systems, 20 to $25,000. You know, we have, we have good tech in our, in our facilities and, um, you know, you're going to have to install that stuff. Insurance initially is one to 2000 bucks signage. You go cheap on signage, five grand, you go expensive on signage, 20,000, um, office expenses, you know, one to 2000 inventory, your initial like shirts and, and swag, um, and supplements and whatnot, 1500 to 3,500 bucks, depending on where you're at two to 7,000 bucks in licenses. Um, you know, you're going to have to have some professional fees like CPA, accountant, um, architect, you know, and, um, uh, architect is actually kind of built into your leasehold improvement costs, but, um, you know, your, your accountant and your lawyer, one to 3000 bucks, and then $3,000 for, you know, industrious to train you. Um, and, uh, and then the franchise fee, which is 45,000 bucks. And so, you know, you, 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 you add all that stuff in, those are like the, like, those are the things that you're initially paying for. And, um, again, a 14 halo, small gym, cheap lease, 395,800 is what we've modeled it to be. And, uh, and then, you know, super expensive, really bougie gym, uh, 932,500 on average, 664, 150 is what it would cost. Yeah. It's, it's funny when you start adding everything up, you know, it's like doing your monthly budget, you know, you don't realize quite all of the different things you have to spend money on or are spending money on in order to successfully launch and have like a business. Right. I mean, because this model, obviously everything's laid out. <clears throat> That's the benefit that you're getting. So there's, it's, it's modeled on an incredibly successful 
system. So we just replicate that system. Yeah. Whereas when you're looking at doing this, maybe as like an independent business owner and you're thinking about just your own gym, it does have a little bit more of like, I'm going to swing a sledgehammer, go grab some paint from Home Depot, Yeah. you know, grab my credit card. The gym will be open on Monday. You know, I started on Friday, you know, it's like, and that, that's really not what this opportunity is. And that's really, I mean, this is, you know, you're stepping into a complete model that has everything baked into it. And that's also the benefit of it. Right. So when you first maybe hear those looking, going through the cost, it's like, oh, that, that's actually not crazy. Right. Exactly. You're right. It's not. And you know, the thing too, that I think people just need to sort of embrace is if you want to go owner operator independent and make the investment, you know, you can do that for cheap, right? You can do that for, uh, you know, you can enter into the market for, you know, $150,000. It can be, you know, Tommy's great gym, right? And, uh, and in order to make Tommy's great gym, you know, competitive and sustainable for, you know, beyond the the 10 year mark, you're going to be spending way more than a half million dollars. I can tell you from firsthand experience, you're going to spend like 4 million to make that thing good and sustainable and, and ultimately competitive for the long haul. And so, you know, I think that, you know, people think in terms of like the initial sticker shock, but they're not thinking in terms of like, okay, once I start going down this rabbit hole, you know, at what point, you know, if I'm doing this on my own, am I just going to continue to, to spend and to spend into one of the most competitive industries on earth? And, and I'm not really ever going to, you know, end up being competitive, if that makes sense. Makes total sense. Yeah. And so, you know, that, that's the wonderful thing. And I think that's why it's been validated by the success with fitness and franchising in particular is that, uh, franchising, you know, works really well because for gym owners, they, they can get off to a really, really fast start. Um, they're, they're, they're operating on a proven system. Um, they have great experience behind them, um, great passion behind them. And, uh, in, in, in these, these, these brands that have franchised successfully, um, they understand the sort of the market trends and, and we understand the market trends right now too. Yeah. It, that's what that brings me kind of into that next point is like, as we're looking at this, as it uh, compares to some other of the franchise options out there in the fitness space, how, how does it compare How does the industrious opportunity compare? Yeah. So, um, industrious, I would say is like, it, it's, it's sort of like right in the middle of the road as it relates to like, um, like, like the, the cost, the initial investment, and then the path to ROI on EBITDA and EBITDA. For those of you that don't know, that's just your earnings before interest taxes and amortization. Um, and, and so, you know, what we look for is, you know, what is the initial investment versus the comps or the comparatives and in, how soon is it until we can get to 15% profitability And sort of the big test in the franchising world is, can you get to 15% profitability in the second year? And that's what, we, you know, if, if, if we'd modeled all this stuff out, we built the pro forma, um, and it wasn't at that, we wouldn't do it because we knew that we wouldn't be competitive. So like, as an example, F45 is probably uh, the functional 45. So the, the low investment on an F45 is 313,000. And the high investment is four hundred and eighty five thousand and industrious again is you know three ninety four to nine thirty right um so we're higher than an f forty five um 
but Orange Theory, on the other hand, um, their low investment is five seventy six, and their high investment is one point five million. So we're cheaper than an Orange Theory. We're more expensive than an F forty five on that initial investment, um, and uh, and and we get uh, on average we get our uh, franchisees based off of what we've already proven in our company owned stores to 15% profitability in year two. And then beyond that, it's, it, it looks even, you know, more rosy. Yeah. That's the thing with, um, you know, I mean, that's kind of as things scale, right? Like then your and your fixed costs are fixed. And so yep. at that point, yeah, you know, continued growth equals increased profitability. Totally. And if you add up like all of the big names in franchising, Nine Round, Anytime Fitness, Burn Boot Camp, CKO Kickboxing, Club Pilates, Crunch Fitness, F45, Fit Body Boot Camp, I Love Kickboxing, Orange Theory, Planet Fitness, Snap Fitness, UCF Gym, Workout Anytime 24-7, all of these brands, if you just take sort of their averages, on average, the low investment is 270000 and the high investment is one point. Uh, I'm sorry, 1.2 million. Um, and, uh, and so, so we're, again, we're just sort of right in the middle of that. And, um, so we're kind of top of the bell curve, if you will. And then the initial franchise fee on average is 36,496. We're higher than that. Um, and you know, and I think that it's important to us that we, we want to be higher than that. We want to have a high barrier to entry, certainly initially. Um, because, for us, you know, the first 10 franchisees, they have to like check all of the boxes. We're going to be really, really selective um, because, you, you know, we, we absolutely can go out and open up our own gyms. You know, we, we have that as an option and, and we can run them the way that we want and we can run them to our values and our cores and all that stuff. Um, it, but, you know, we do want to grow a franchising business and we want the first 10 to be really, really dialed. So they have to check all those boxes. So we want that higher barrier to entry. And, um, and then the royalty on average is 6.22% of all of those brands. So, um, you know, our royalty is 7%. So we're slightly higher on royalty. We're slightly higher on initial investment. Um, and we're uh, slightly higher on initial franchise fee. And we're happy with that. We feel like we're, we're a way more exciting, uh, brand. Um, I feel like you're worth it. Yeah, <laughs> I do. And you know, there, there is something to be said, you know, like, like as an example, so like F45 has 1500 units. They, uh, yeah, they probably have more than that now, but, um, in orange theory has, uh, 1385 units. Um, I do think that, you know, those in large part, those brands have sort of reached the top of their excitement, if that makes sense. And we're just getting revved up. I mean, <laughs> we just started the engines and, uh, and it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. That's the difference between kind of, yeah, buy, buying into an opening is something that was exciting five years ago. Right. Um, and, and then again, from a comparative, you know, like competition standpoint, from a, from a getting people interested in that, the next thing that's really foundational to their health and wellness this is this is something that has a ton of excitement behind it, mm-hmm. um, which I do think and and what from what we know from our model, an incredible longevity, incredible retention, loyalty. I mean, so the models just, you know, the experience of coming to an industrious opening industrious, and I can say from being a long time industrious, you know, working out at industrious versus checking out things like Orange Theory, it's a very different experience. Yeah. You know, I mean, all that stuff's fine, but. You know, once you're kind of in the industrious world, people tend to stay for a long, long, long time. Yeah, it, it, it's it, it has to do with the, the programming that we do and what we're able to do within the Halo system. And, um, you know, it, it allows us to program in a way that 
is real and, and authentic and we do movements that, that, that make people fit and the symbolism of seeing people doing those movements, you're like, yeah, this is a fit group and they're doing things like back squatting, but they're also doing things like, like, uh, interval sprints on treadmills and stuff. And, um, you know, those are, those, those are things that, that don't really exist, um, you know, anywhere it's, it's like you either do the weightlifting stuff and then you do like a CrossFit workout in a CrossFit gym. Um, or you go to more gimmicky, um, type, type group fitness style. Yeah. Group yeah. fitness, cardio rooms, that sort of thing. Um, but nobody's ever sort of taken the best of all those worlds and put it into one and, and, and protected it with the halo system. I agree. I agree. No, that's phenomenal. So I think what the real message there is, is when you look at costs, um, as you move, you know, perhaps, and I think this is probably a a sticker shock thing for somebody who hasn't ever really explored it in depth before. So again, we encourage you to go do your own research, take a look at, you know, any of these, you go, you can go look at these, this financial data, pull these numbers yourself and you'll see that the industrious kind of falls in the middle. Uh, So from an expense standpoint, in comparison, right. it's not out of the world. No, no, no it's not. I mean, it, it, to somebody that think that's like coming from like the you know the CrossFit world, and they're like, oh no, I got a friend that opened up his gym, and he told me it was like seventy five thousand bucks, and they they built it to like one hundred and fifty or two hundred members, and you know, I, uh, you know, I've, I've seen that. You know, that's that to them is probably really really expensive. To me, I'm like, I know where your friend is probably at in their their journey, <laughs> and um, in um, in you know, I think that um, for for somebody that's looking at it, that's that's used to the franchising world. They look at these prices and they're like, "Oh, yeah, that's right." right this all sounds great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check, check, check. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, so uh, so now that we have a kind of a clearer picture and we went really in depth on just the cost, cost comparison, etc. You know, when we start looking at you know, obtaining capital for this. You yeah. know, we, we have recommendations. We certainly have some thoughts and suggestions. Now, personally, you come in uh, with, you know, deep pockets, they're ready to go and, you know, capital is not the issue. Yep. Um, so maybe there we're going through other things, you know, we're making sure all those other boxes check. But for many people who check the values and the passion, they're a good fit for the industrious community, for the where we're going. That is the major kind of hurdle to, to kind of understand, all right, how am I going to how am I going to finance this? How am I going to pay for this? Totally. And, and, and that's where things get really exciting in the franchising space because, you know, you look at this, you're like, how on earth, if these things are that expensive to get going, how have that many units sold? And, um, it's because there's financing options for them. Whereas if you just like go to try to open up your own business, you're not going to get finance for it until you show that you can build a business and make it profitable. And you, and even then it's hard. And so, you know, I think that, um, that that's the thing that people need to understand is that like, if nobody could get mortgages, nobody would own real estate. And, uh, and in franchising, you know, the, the, the likelihood of securing financing is significantly higher than if you were doing it on your own. So there's loan programs that exist that you may not be able to have all of the cash to open one, but if you have 20% of that cash, then, you know, we're in the small business registry for franchises and we're accepted and we're approved. And that means that you could qualify for sort of the gold standard in small business lending, which is an SBA loan to open up your franchise uh, location or franchise unit. So that would be probably one of our strongest recommendations would be like, this is a great place to start. Yeah. And this is where we would encourage people to kind of begin that capitalization process. Exactly. And we have a, you know, a great, uh, you know, company that, um, that we have, uh, 
worked with that we are working with that is working with our our current prospects um, that we point our prospects to so that that way they can go through and, and work on the financing options. So if they're a good values fit, then what we'll do is is uh, we'll we'll look at their application directly um, and we'll see if they check all the the boxes that would allow them to qualify. What we think would qualify, because in order to to qualify as an industrious franchisee, you know the credit score has to be there, the initial capital has to be there. Like you know, we need to make sure that that it's it, it's going to look good. And then if it does look like it um, it it conforms, then what we'll do is we'll point them to our lender and then they'll start the process of actually getting that franchisee um, approved and uh, and get them funded and then off we go. So it's kind of like buying a house in that sense. Um, you know, you come to us, you're like, I'm interested, I want to do it. And then it's, do I qualify? Yes, you do qualify. Cool. We're going to get you in touch with our lender and then they're going to, they're going to, you know, seal the deal for you. Yeah. I was going to say this definitely sounds like a prequel process that you're going through and just getting your financials together. And then essentially it's like, yeah, green, green light, green light, all good. Let's move forward with the process. Then what's our, generally how long does that process take? It can be quick. It can take a, if if things are organized and quick, we're thinking like two weeks. Um, Yeah. It can go really, really fast. That's impressive. Yeah. So what, what would happen, you know, in that case um, is we would uh, point you to our lender they would collect all your information. They would uh, they would get an approval, and once they have an approval, uh, then we'd start working on on the funding process. And um, you know, sort of while all that's going on, you know, that would be the the, the time frame that a potential franchisee would uh, be reviewing our FDD, and that's the you know obviously the legal document that outlines everything that's involved with uh, owning and operating an industrious gym, um, because the the franchisee has to have our FDD for two weeks. Um, before they can sign it, um, that, that that's required. It's um, and so um, so we we pre-qualify them. They're good values fit. We get them in touch with the lender. We send them the FDD. The two weeks that they're reviewing the FDD, that's also the two weeks that they're lining up their financing, and then uh, and then we can uh, we can close the deal once uh, they've got the money, and um, and once they've had the FDD for for two weeks, then we can rock and roll. They can pick their territory and. Uh, we we go off to the races, yeah. yeah. And then um, we'll have a follow up, kind of another p- piece of the franchisee series. We'll kind of go into the making it official piece. We'll kind of go through uh, in detail, kind of what happens after, say, the funding all is secured and everything is signed. Um, but in terms of other funding options, I mean, is SBA really the gold standard, uh, or are there other options that a person would also be looking at, or is it kind of like you know that's the one you'd go for? Totally, SBA should always be your first shot. If you if you don't conform to SBA, there's ways around it. So, let's say you have um, you know uh, twenty thousand dollars in, or I'm sorry, you know twenty percent of uh, of the initial fee in cash, um, but you don't have enough liquid. You know, there's other ways that you can boost your liquidity through, like if you got equity in your home or a personal loan, you can pull those things out to sort of get you over the finish line from a liquidity standpoint. Um, and, uh, and if, if you don't have that, then what you could do in, and this is also common is let's say you have, uh, 
20% liquidity, but you can't do a personal loan. You can't do a home equity line of credit or any of that. The other thing you can do is you can lease all your equipment and that could potentially get you over your finish, uh, over the finish line as well. And so on an equipment lease, you know, they, they, they'd likely be looking for about 10% down. Um, if you don't have any experience, if you have, if if you've already been running a, a business, you could probably get an equipment lease with like no, like, like no questions asked. The collateral is the equipment itself. And so, interesting. Is that who? What is that? Is that through like Rogue who does that, or who is that through? Just through different uh, financing, okay. uh, equipment financing companies. And that's the great thing about our broker is that you know when when we put you in touch with our financing partner, they they can look at your situation and they can say we're going the SBA route, or we think we should go the route of a personal loan plus an equipment lease. Um, and, and they can in in they like they broker all of these things. So that's that, phenomenal resource. Yeah, so yeah. it's basically, they help kind of stitch the puzzle together. Exactly. So it's, it makes sense and it's financially viable both right. for the prospect and then also, you know, for the business. Right. And what I encourage people is like, you know, the one thing that I've found in, you know, business, cause you know, I, I started from nothing, um, is, you know, if you're really, really interested in something, if you're really, really excited in something, pursue it until you can't until you're told no, sorry, and then pursue the next thing and then pursue the next thing and then pursue the next thing until you, you, you're told you, until you can't. And you'll be amazed in those processes that if you really want something, good things do happen. They do fall into place. Um, but you know, and you know, you, you never have to say yes to a financing deal, right? If you, even if you're approved, but at minimum, you should try to get yourself the opportunity to make the decision to say, I have the financing lined up, whether it looks like an SBA loan or whether it looks like an equipment lease plus a you know, personal loan or a friends and family loan or whatever. Um, so that that way you can say yes or no, but then you're in a decisionable place, right? You can, you can make a decision. Whereas, you know, right now, if you're just stewing it in your head, like, oh, maybe I could, maybe I couldn't, I do conform, I don't conform. You, you, you're just kind of stuck. Take action, move it through, um, run into your first barrier and then work around that first barrier. And then, you know, see what your, what your end thing that you can make a decision on is. I love it. That's powerful advice. What, so kind of to, to kind of segue into what that action would be, what is kind of those first steps action again, just for a person who's picking this up, haven't heard some of the other stuff, what should they do next? Yeah, they should fill out the the form on our website, you know, go down to the bottom of this website, put in your information, um, review the stuff that you get when you do f- uh, fill out your initial information, you'll instantly be pointed right to the initial fees, the ongoing fees, you'll get more information about the opportunity um, and we'll have your contact information and then we can reach out um, and then we'll do a, an interview and a values assessment of you and make sure that you're a good brand fit. Um, and if you, if you pass that aspect of it, then we'll send you the formal application where you'll, you'll fill out your personal financial statement, all of the, you know, the stuff. And then we can say, you know, this is a qualified candidate. We think that they have a chance at at least getting financing, um, and, uh, and would be able to have the credit in order to get financing downstream to cover some ongoing fees and, you know, working capital and stuff like that, that might be associated, associated with them just running their business. So it's important that like they have, like they have to have the credit to do the stuff that we know that they're going to need to do. And then if that's the case, then we'll point them in touch with our lender who can, who can seal the deal. And then we'll, we'll, we'll get them the FTD. And then while they're working the financing, they can be reviewing the FTD. Everything gets lined up and, and, and we, we fly them out to Seattle and we throw a big party for them and join the family day. I love it. And then they get an industrious tattoo. 
Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be so sweet. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for taking us through this. Um, If you haven't had an opportunity, go back. We have kind of breakdown all all the other pieces in this franchise series. And then uh, following this, if you want to kind of find out, okay, well, what happens after all of that? uh, Tune into the Making It Official episode where we're going to go in depth and walk you through that process. Uh, Again, put the application in. uh, It'll guide you through the process. And we look forward to uh, seeing you you take those actions. Uh, Don't just have a dream. Put that dream into play and make it a reality. Excellent, gentlemen. Thank you for being here. And we'll chat on the next one. Thanks, everybody. Thanks.